Hello and welcome back to The Bilbao Effects, a podcast series that looks at whether culture can boost economic development from FDI intelligence. I'm Seth O'Farrell, FDI's Global Investment Reporter. Last week, we heard from Juan Ignacio Vidarte, the Director General of the Guggenheim Bilbao, who said that the mistake that many city planners have made post-Bilbao is to think that an impressive slice of contemporary architecture is enough to kickstart urban regeneration. Instead, Vidarte said, it is important that thought and work go into infrastructure and education to stoke economic development. Our second guest is Maya Hoffman, collector, patron, curator and heir to the Swiss pharmaceutical giant Hoffman Roche. She is founder and president of the Luma Foundation, a non-profit arts organisation based in Zurich, and has just unveiled the Luma Arles Tower in the city of Arles in southern France. The opening of the tower was greeted with much fanfare and has been widely featured in the French and international press. The impressive twisting tower designed by American architect Frank Gehry, whom we spoke about in relation to the Guggenheim in Bilbao last week, mm. is the centrepiece of Luma Arles, a $175 million arts complex spanning 27 acres and built on a defunct rail yard. The foundation is multidisciplinary, with attention given to culture, environment, education and research. Maya has just received the Commandeur des Arts et Lettres, the highest distinction awarded by France's Ministry of Culture. It is an absolute privilege to be speaking with her today. Maya Hoffman, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm happy to, to be with you today. We're very happy that you're here. Um, I thought we could start off with um, you telling us a bit about Luma Arles itself, um, how long it, this project has been in the pipeline, and what does the opening of the new tower uh, mean for the arts complex? Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for the, for the precise introduction. And uh, I, I think we need to understand that Luma Arles, or the Luma, Luma presence in Arles, is really one of the projects of the Luma Foundation, which has had a, a, a longer existence. But I think we can come back to this a little later. So Luma Al um, is uh, this new tower, and um, which has been pretty much criticized uh, throughout the years. It took us 10, 10 years, more or less, to, to set it up, to build. We are building since 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, Luma Al is the center of an art complex, which we started uh, exactly 10 years ago. So it's one of the elements, but it is ob obviously the one we kept for the end because it's also the most spectacular. It opened at the same time than, uh, than a garden that we want uh, to, to, to stand for an example of uh, a park that is taking care of, uh, that is implanted in its own region. In this case, it's showing the Camargue marshes, all the wetlands with which we have been also uh, um, involved for long years. And it's also showing the, the habitats of the Cro and the Alpilles. Um, it is the, the only green place in Arles, uh, which has always been, uh, which has obviously a big, big um, past as a Roman city, but uh, which does not have any green parts unless uh, you, you, you really make a big effort to find a system on how to bring water to this Mediterranean uh, climate. Um, the new tower is actually the lighthouse. Uh, people ask why a tower? It is um, 
more in order to understand the habitat around Arles and to understand the territory. In fact, you see the river, the Rhone River to the north, going all the way to Switzerland, by the way. And mm -hmm. then you see to the south, uh, the way uh, it uh, goes into the Mediterranean. And we want to stand for a Mediterranean art complex. We're really very involved in this, also through the research center we have in the mm -hmm. Camargue. Uh, there's a strong link between yeah, this our tower and the Bilbao's Guggenheim, about which we spoke last week. Um, both were designed by the same architect, Frank Gehry. Um, was Bilbao a model in your mind for what you wanted to achieve um, with this art complex in Arles? Um, not really. What we want to achieve is, is more the Luma effect than the Bilbao effect. <laughs> Being, we are based on an archipelago, so we have several uh, projects that I have been trying to put on the one place. For years and years, we've been uh, nomadic with our think tanks and with our projects working with other institutions. And uh, we now uh, are having a space in which we can host the other institutions, which makes a difference. It's a, it's a shift. Um, the Bilbao effect comes probably a little with, um, I mean, what you can call the Bilbao effect is more the Frangeri effect. Uh, but it is not the reason why I wanted to work with Frank. I wanted to work with Frank because I uh, love to exchange with him and he is thinking like an artist and we work with many artists. The fact that Frank designed a tower was also meant, yes, to attract attention, uh, to attract international and local attention on, on our work because we have projects that have social impact on our environment. So it was important that we think just big enough in order to create, to create this, um, this way of moving forward that mm -hmm. is needed because the artists and the art world are very often not considered as a full, at their full strength and at their full uh, capacity of changing the world. And for me, this is an important topic for the last 20 years it has been. And so let's go into a little bit about what the Luma Al Foundation does exactly. So you host exhibitions, you have exhibition spaces, archive spaces, a library, a restaurant, you put on live performances, fund artist residencies, and the list goes on and on. Can you give um, our listeners a brief um, introduction to, to just the expansive work that you do at Luma Al? No, the Luma Arles is, is not a foundation. Luma Arles is a space, is a space implanted in Arles, and it's a project of the Luma Foundation. So it actually can house all of our projects, and it, it allows us to organize uh, meetings with other people. It's a, it's a tool. The whole, the whole complex is a tool in order to, to have people there, artists mainly, able to use this tool in order to research and to display uh, art. Um, it is a co it's complex, I understand, because we have several projects coming together. It's a layering of the projects of the, of the Luma Foundation. If you go today into the Tower of Gary and in the adjacent halls, which are the exhibition halls, you will see that every one of our displays is actually speaking about the same thing. But this will occur in the way that you yourself, the visitor, will put it together. It's a quite a free uh, itinerary. 
we uh, the layering of things allows us to to exist on the long term it allows us a longevity that is not given usually to any exhibition or to any display mm -hmm. because some of them are artist commissions which are going to stay but they are the, the they are the fruit of a long term long term collaborations and i think what is what is striking the first is that we are in an environment that is unusual for a museum with the park the mm -hmm. park being not a sculpture park, but a park hosting installations by artists or other activities. And that we are also a long-term endeavor because we are interested in the thinking of the artists and they build one work after the other. Mm -hmm. And so what does Luma Al in all its splendor mean for the Alésiens, do you think, or the people of Al? As you know, this year we have lesser um, international visitors than in other years and hopefully in the coming years. But um, the art people have been really coming and they uh, entered similarly in the tower than in the garden, asking questions, looking at exhibitions, trying to familiarize themselves with the artists. We have a very good mediation group, as you say in French. The mediation mm -hmm. is quite good. We had time to open to train and uh, we also have a few places that are not completely implanted yet, but where you can also ref take refreshments, sit, eat, talk. Uh, and this has been working really well with the Arlesia. They are actually thankful to have a green space in the town because it was missing. Mm -hmm. And you're not concerned that the, the towering structure, you mentioned that there is, there's, there's been a certain amount of criticism about the tower um, over the last few years. Are you concerned that now that it's up and running, that it, it's intimidating in any way or that it's sort of, it is distancing for the people of Arles? We would, we want it to be not intimidating, obviously. Um, we introduced it and it is uh, like a gate in, into the garden, one of the three gates. It is an, an entrance to a private-public uh, collaboration. It is an entrance to a whole universe where you can freely choose how to go. Yes, of course, it will be intimidating at first for, for some uh, of our audience living in the outskirts, for instance. But uh, it is certainly not presenting itself like a, like a bubble uh, for contemporary art, which is one of the main concerns. Uh, that uh, one could have when speaking about contemporary art, uh, globally anyway. Now we also have other entry points than, uh, than the Gary Tower to our work. We also have this Atelier Luma, which I think I would like to tell you a little more, but maybe not now directly about. And uh, we work uh, on an everyday basis uh, since 10 years, as I said, with certain members of our population who really wanted to come, and the others are following little by little. Now, if you speak about the taste uh, and the, the, the architectural gesture, this is something else. I think the discussion will, will stay, and will stay for a long time, and probably forever. Mm. Um, it is a gesture of an architect, yes, but it's certainly not the desire of a collector or, uh, or my, like myself. Uh, to, it is certainly not uh, the desire of a collector like myself to make 
a gesture of a, for a star architect. Mm -hmm. And it, the project mm -hmm. has no, not the vanity that can sometimes be found in similar gestures because it's a completely open space uh, that is meant first for the Arlesian, then for the global uh, visitors interested in contemporary art. Mm -hmm. And so you spoke a little bit about the um, the fact that this is a green space and the city hasn't had that before. So many locals are, are you know, very um, jubilant about that. Um, in a post-COVID world, though, how do you think Luma R will help the local community and the local economy? Well, we are providing jobs more than if we were not around, let's say, right? We are, we are there uh, open all year, which is uh, maybe not always in the same intensity because uh, COVID has also shown us that we need some, some rest time and some downtime once in a while. But we are there all year. We are not uh, participating in uh, augmenting the numbers of visitors in the town for a given time only. We are not a festival. We are really an institution open all year long with different activities. So I think this will be of um, will be really an advantage for the Al people and for the whole region. Now, of course, the mayor has said that it is a, a, a wonderful opportunity, but he also added it is also a terrible challenge for the town. I think I know where he's hinting to, and I am not, I'm not far of thinking the same than he does. Uh, the challenge is to bring uh, the infrastructures of the town more or less to the level of the, of the tower. And this, we actually had 10 years to do, but uh, it moved not as fast as we moved. So we may need time to integrate all these outskirts, uh, the, the how do you say I don't remember how you say that in English to integrate the the entrances and mm -hmm. the environment mm -hmm. around the tower mm -hmm. to the tower or, and thus integrate the tower into the town because this is a not a one-way situation this needs two ways and how and how do you plan on doing that what what are the sorts of mechanisms by which the tower will be better integrated into the surrounding infrastructure I think we need uh, we need to pay attention to traffic. We need to pay attention to um, to the um, the way people can go from the parking, the big new parking lot, to the tower, to signage, to working together. And the park is really helping for this because it gives us different ways of getting integrated into the town. So we are actually doing some urbanist but we we take the role of an urbanist because we are also giving new ways of using this whole uh quartier this whole uh, neighborhood that was the parc des ateliers and that was really a desert when we arrived and uh, it was only open once a once a year for the photo festival and then it was really falling back into desert mm -hmm. And let's talk a bit about the photo festival then and, and some of the other cultural institutions that exist in Arles. So we have the Van Gogh Foundation, a Lee Ufan Foundation, um, I believe is about to be unveiled. Um, tell us a bit about the what Arles, how Arles has changed in its cultural scene over the last 10 years. 
Well, it has changed quite a lot, but up to now it changed. Uh, it changed only more in summertime, like I said, where you have a big concentrations of visitors and main, and of tourists coming, either to see the old uh, stones of the of the Roman uh, amphitheater or the Roman past, or they come for the photo for the photo festival, and there the the professionals of photography only come one week a year and the photo shows stay open the whole year. But we also have now uh, an institution like the new Liu Fan that I have visited while they were uh, building it. I don't know if it's yet open. And we have a few uh, national uh, museums on um, like uh, also the new uh, Museum Arlatan, which is um, a regional museum. We also do have um, the Van Gogh Foundation Arles, that is uh, existing since um, since seven years now. It will it will have its seven years coming up, and um, which does uh, international and high quality uh, exhibitions of uh, contemporary artists responding to Van Gogh and to what he was doing in Arles. So the we're certainly going uh, and still moving towards a new cultural identity for Arles that is more spread than only the photo festival. Uh, in, the photo festival is actually the biggest in the world, I think, in terms of notoriety. And I think it's a very important uh, meeting in Arles that, uh, that should continue to be functional the same way that it was up mm -hmm. to now. You mentioned that Luma Arles is also not a festival, and it's not a, it's not a biennial like uh, like many other European cities host. Instead, it's there all year round. Do you think that you know as we emerge from this uh, pandemic world, which will be potentially a lot more local, a lot a lot more regional, at least with attention given to regional activities, do you think that this is a trend that we'll see more and more of less? or fewer biennales, fewer festivals, and more institutions that are open all year round? Yes, it is possible. It is possible. But uh, what I am more interested in is to, to just stressing the fact that the showing of art or display of art is only one part of what uh, artists do and what, what the cultural um, producers do. So the work that needs to be done of season, so to say, has the same importance for me than the one that is displayed. So this all gives a, um, a movement to what we are doing that I think many other uh, cultural institutions will also want to achieve. Uh, the movement that research and display are following each others and allowing us to go deeper into what the meaning of art is and what artists are doing, the comprehension of what artists are doing. So meaning that when we, we, we are open all year, we will, actually, um, we will actually have phases where we are more showing and phases where we are lesser showing. But this all makes a living organism out of our actions. And we are in perpetual movement that way. I think this is one of the new definitions of a museum. To, to be in perpetual movement. I think so, yeah. But mm -hmm. you can do that. You can do the perpetual movement by being also locally implanted. You can be locally implanted 
work with the people from the region, from our, and you can invite people from outside, mostly young artists in our case, and you can host think tanks and people come to you because it is a space where it is really nice to rest at the same time then think at the same time then exchange. And then you have the layering of all the activities that we have either in-house or that we are related to. Uh, you have this layering gives a very rich environment where culture can possibly thrive. So we create a system actually. We create a system with several speeds. We are not really interested in uh, doing everything following communication plan, or we are not interested in mm -hmm. catering on mm -hmm. to the audience. What we want is create content. And we have a system that can continue this movement. And uh, so we, we, we attract the people who are already interested, but on the way we also may attract, and we are actually de facto, and this is where I am happy today, exhausted, but happy because it actually works. We create a system where newcomers can also come in. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit about what the world looked like before the pandemic. You are a global arts patron, fund projects, institutions across the world, uh, such as the New Museum in New York and the Serpentine in London. What do you think globalisation meant for art institutions? I'm not talking about the art market, but rather for art institutions, non-profit institutions, museums over over recent decades? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole world went, went global at some point. Uh, the pandemic has shown us that it was probably too much because we are, in doing this, we are attacking ourselves and what, what is the most uh, central to ourselves. In this case, it shows that it is nature, uh, the planet, uh, that it affects global warming. Uh, so, being global, I think, has not really helped so much um, our thinking right now. It was global for... Uh, it's really a difficult question you are, you are putting out here. Um, I think that it makes very much sense to be rooted in a region before you, you just only float globally in order to not in, in order to cater to, uh, let's say, your, your communication plan more than the content. I think what is really important is to create content, and this has to be more and more related to some local context. And then getting global is something, actually, we also promise to the people who come to visit us, and we are working a lot on our on our network, we are working on our, on our websites, trying to create an app. We, we, we did not do it yet because we, as you know, we are located in Switzerland. And um, right now I don't know how much I should just speak only about Arl, and in this case Luma Arl, or how much the way I see it, it can be. And it, been, it can be enclosed in our global thinking of mm -hmm. the Luma Foundation that is then really, right now I separate the, the, the two a little, but of course in our program it's not separate. Um, and I saw that 
the Luma Foundation was also present at Davos in 2020. Um, do you think that the lines between the arts and global business have become increasingly porous and, and will become ever more porous? I think everything um, should tend at being less um, in silos, less mm -hmm. specialized, and that pluridisciplinarity and overlaps of, um, of uh, expertise are really the way to go. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is for this that we were invited to Davos. We didn't go to Davos. We were invited to present a display on the natural products we are developing in our Atelier Luma. So Atelier Luma is a whole different story that, that actually fits completely into what I'm saying once uh, you come and visit. Luma Al is really a place you have to go and visit. It's not possible to, to, to pass the philosophy of Luma Al only with sound uh, or only with images. It's really something you have to live. It's a total immersion. So now, when we went to Davos, we were invited uh, by, um, by Davos. We displayed our products. There was a lot of interest because it is actually based on design, and design can be a tool to, to redefine the world as it is now. When you, with design thinking, you just design what you want to make out of the world. And you get out of this uh, fatalism where you think, oh, anyway, the planet is disappearing, uh, extinction is here. You can say, well, let me take waste material, try and transform it into energy. At least it keeps you busy, let me say, put it that way, right? Mm -hmm. Can you give a few examples of, of what you mean by that? What, has, what kind of things have come out of the Atelier Luma? Well, the Atelier Luma is, for instance, working with salt or with algae. Um, mm -hmm. We also, in the, in the building of Frank's, in the tower, we used some, uh, some uh, materials of Atelier Luma, and Frank was really also quite interested in seeing that happen. So, for instance, we have one wall out of salt, and the salt is harvested just in the marshes that are next to me here, where at, uh, because I'm at my house, yeah, just in the marshes, and uh, it takes a few weeks to grow them. And um, this wall is quite amazing because it is at the same time, it, it, it um, has some purifying effect on you. Uh, it's experimental and it was bold to try and do this because it's over nine floors mm -hmm. or more. It's over, over 11 floors, actually, you have. A, a one huge wall out of block, blocks made out of salt that we harvested ourselves. It's quite exhilarating, actually. Or we, we, we were also working on, with algae. We have, for instance, tiles that can be used in construction that are all uh, out of tiles with uh, some uh, resin that is natural uh, inside. And you see all the different colors that come directly from nature. They are actually the same colors that give the color to the pink flamingos, then the dark green that you see in, uh, in the Japanese restaurants. <laughs> all of this is just next door and you can, uh, and there, there is plenty of it. We also invented some, some bio, 
bioconcrete, for instance, by mixing salt with concrete, and it's an, uh, uh, an alive, it becomes alive, and it is, of course, experimental, but it's all of these have been followed by scientists and by institutions, and we are getting are getting patented and and there are many of other examples we also work with textiles uh, one of our next project is maybe to attract uh, designers uh, fashion designers too uh, and this is all working on the principle of a residency so we can invite the people they can spend time here we can invite the creators the designers and then uh, work on specific projects they can work on their own project, but at the same time, it would be quite fantastic if it, they also work on something that is specific to this region. Mm -hmm. And naturally, in the business world, there's been an unprecedented push towards screening our economies. Um, and at Luma, as you say, um, and in the art world more broadly, there's been a significant momentum in ecology and ecological art. Do you think that it's ahead of the climate emergency that we'll see more, even greater overlapping between the arts and the global economy? Um, I, I don't know really how much they really influence each other. I, I mean, the, I don't know how much green is influencing the global economy. All I know is that most of the global players in economy want and have to regreen their image. That's mm. all I see now. What they really do is something that is a much larger discussion, which I'm really going to get more and more interested in. Mm. Uh, because it's really time to, to, to be active and to take steps more than to only stay in conversations. Mm. I've been quite boldly taking steps, uh, trying to show what can be done. I've also been uh, doing other things next to, to my art, uh, art um, um, interest or art uh, activities. Um, but I think the future is not the person who now thinks I'm going to be green uh, is just one train delayed. I think the future for art world and for global uh, also economic world is laying much more in um, artificial intelligence, seeing how to, to create a system that works better for, for commercial than the, the systems that we have in place now for commercial activities. And this is all in the writing right now. Mm -hmm. um, what, do, what do you mean by being a train delayed? Do you think we're too late for the climate disaster? I think that only with uh, technology we will be able to afford to get out or to find the start of solutions for what we are in right now. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I think that when my father was talking about ecology, it was uh, 30 years ago, that was maybe the right time to do it. But I am not, um, and he was nobody was really listening to him and to his his uh, other partners who were who were speaking like this. Um, I think that now we need to to be thinking further than just repairing something. We need to create ways of um, having a more positive outcome mm -hmm. with the way we live, and this is involving. Uh, a, a lot of things, not only repairing your image you have you have in public. Mm -hmm. it, it's involving uh, radical change, uh, um, yeah, uh, technology, uh, it's involving how you, and the real overlaps will be there. Technology and art, for instance, can be a 
an, another way of thinking, another set of mind than only fast profit and uh, the, the, the ways you measure uh, success. Maya Hoffman, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to FDI Podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we're off to southern Poland to speak with Eva Bogusz-Moore, director of the Polish National Radio Symphony Orchestra, about the transformation of post-industrial city Katowice. Mm-hmm.